Well, he could have. Could have. He's had a very rough year. That's our motto. That's our family motto. The summers could have. I could have. You could have. Daddy could have. Now it's Davy's turn. We're always looking for excuses. I'll get it. I'll tell you about could. I could be crazy about you, Mom, but I'm not. And you could have made Dad's last few weeks a lot easier. But you didn't. One guy. One gal. One actor. And one year. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Kevin, Kevin Costner, Costner Project. Gregory, it is a rare two for this weekend. Yeah. We are doing a two for one. We have watched two movies and we're doing two episodes in one weekend. Right, but we're not going to put them both out in the same week, are we? Correct, but we do want to be ready for the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States. Absolutely. And things are about to get busy with people coming home and traveling and all of us in and out and doing all the crazy holiday things. So Absolutely, Kate. It's good we're a week ahead of ourselves. I think it might be interesting for people to know so far, how we've been doing this, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag, but typically we watch the movie, and what we started doing these last three movies is we record immediately after we watch it. We only watch the movie once at any given point. Any Correct. of these movies, we've only seen once. And I think it's been better that we've been doing the recording right right after we see it. I think it's so, fresh too. in our minds. We have a lot to say after we watch them anyway, so we might as well get it on tape exactly we were already talking uh, right after the movie and we weren't even recording yet exactly so speaking of what did we watch tonight we watched american flyers uh, another one from 1985 rated pg-13 sports slash drama ran an hour and 53 minutes so this is Kevin's first sports movie? I mean, I guess Chasing Dreams doesn't really count. That was a baseball movie, but he wasn't in it. Right. He w he didn't actually do the sport himself. Yeah. This one, he was doing the sport. And this is about the world of competitive... Cycling. Kevin is a former wannabe Lance Armstrong without the drugs type. Um, and his brother is also a bicyclist but doesn't really have a lot of goals in his life he doesn't have the fire that kevin has kevin right. has left home become a doctor and was an alternate on the u.s olympic team but as we find out it doesn't really matter because the 1980 olympics the u.s didn't go anyway and there's at least one cyclist who's still pissed about that any famous co-stars in this one I know one that I want to bring up specifically. Is there anybody that stands out to you? Let's see here. There were a couple of faces I knew that I couldn't really figure out why I knew them. But the one that stands out to me is Alexandra Paul is in this movie. She plays Becky. And probably not that many people have seen this movie. Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd, 
made a movie called Dragnet. It was based on the old radio show of Dragnet. And I guess Dragnet was eventually a TV show about this real straight-laced cop. And Alexandra Paul played in Dragnet. She was Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd is the straight-laced Joe Friday. She plays his love interest, who they continually call the Virgin Connie Swale. And I knew I knew her face. And when I saw her on the cast list and I looked her up, I was like, oh my gosh, it's the Virgin Connie Swale. So Mm. if you ever want to have a good laugh, watch Dragnet. The one that stood out to me is John Amos is in this, or Amos. And I don't know why I know him from things. He was the doctor, the sports doctor. But he, I think, has been in a lot of things. I clicked on him, too. He's been in The Cosby Show, Coming to America, Die Hard 2. But none of that really stands out to me. But there's a reason I know him. The West Wing, I I don't know which of these might be the thing I know him from. So, Greg, was there anybody famous that you noticed in this movie? Jennifer Grey, but I can't place where I've seen her. Jennifer Grey was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. She was in Dirty Dancing. That's right. So she's pretty darn famous, especially in the 80s, around this time period. But she, she was only in this movie a little bit, though. Yeah. She was very dramatic, though. She was crying at the dinner table. Yes, yes. um, What are the overall ratings for this movie? Well, uh, IMDb gives it a 6.5 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 67. So really, it's pretty consistent, right? In the mid-60s. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we mentioned it's about the world of competitive cycling. Um, Kevin plays a character called Marcus Summers, and I was somewhat debating with myself if he's the main character or a supporting character. Yeah, I guess he is sort of the main character, but then sort of gives way to his brother. In it. Yeah, his brother's name is David. Not too big of a stretch because that actor's name is David Marshall Grant, so he got to go by his own name. And I couldn't decide which of the two of them was the main character. Like, David shows up first, and it seems to be about he's a little bit shiftless, maybe? He can't quite figure out. Shiftless? Well, yeah, he, like, dropped out of two different college programs. He was pre-med and pre-law. He didn't do that. Then he's studying, like, Eastern philosophies. He's living with his mom. Oh, I never heard that term before, so that's new to me. Oh. But it means, like, he doesn't have a goal. He's aimless. He's just kind of blowing in the wind. I've been taught something new again, folks. (laughs) Life is full of learning. I guess so. My ridiculous dictionary of a brain or something. I don't know. Well, I like that dictionary of a brain of yours. Aw, thanks. Because it teaches me new things. All right, so David is kind of shiftless. He's living with his mom. His mom runs a modeling agency. The only girls David can hook up with are the ones who want to get with his mom about modeling contracts. And then the brother shows up, Marcus, played by our hero, Kevin Costner. Now, he has a mustache, everybody. 
And I have a real thing about facial hair. Like a real thing about facial hair. If I put my finger up and I couldn't see the mustache, it was okay. But frankly, this movie was never going to be five stars anyway. If only because of that stupid mustache. And the only things that canceled out the mustache were the bike shorts and the fact that Kevin... His race number that he was assigned was number five, which is my lucky number. Yes, it is, Kate. It is your lucky number. Yeah. I don't have as much problem with facial hair. But okay, well, what did you think about the way he looked with a mustache? We haven't ever seen that. He does look different, but he's still very distinctive even with the mustache. So, And the way he speaks, it's I mean, it was clearly him. Yeah. I mean, he didn't need to have that big a mustache. It was the 80s. I think that's what size mustaches were in the 80s. But Yeah, I never paid attention to I that. I didn't like it. Got it. Like, I really didn't care for it. And they're talking about shaving their legs and stuff. Well, shave your facial hair. I think he was the only rider that had a mustache, now that I think about it. No, that Russian guy. Oh, had, yeah. He had a full beard. Oh, that's true. He did. Anyways, Marcus calls up to his mom's house and says, I'm coming home for dinner. Now, David and his mother live in St. Louis. Marcus lives in Madison, Wisconsin. So it's a mere five-hour drive to go to dinner. We did look that up. If anyone ever needs to know how far it is. (laughs) (laughs) From Madison to St. Louis, it's five hours and ten minutes, according to the Google Maps. There you go. And they promptly get in a fight which you will have heard based on the audio clip. You know, my family, we fight fairly regularly, but I like to think we put the fun in dysfunctional. These people had no fun in their lives. They got better right at the end. Well, I mean, terminal illness will do that to you. Yes, fair Um, point. Fair point. But, and I don't think we should say too much more about that. Okay. However... They were just plain old mean to each other. Yes, yes, they were. And, I mean, David had to get his brother to say nice wallpaper, that he was going to say some real negative things. We could tell that. Yeah. Right at the beginning there. He came in with a bad attitude. Right. The wallpaper didn't help. Yeah, and apparently there's a lot of past with how Marcus felt about what his mother did when... His father was dying. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff there that we only got a little glimpse into the past on how that all transpired. And you, I think, felt for the mom a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I thinking about how hard it must be to watch somebody die. I've never been in that situation. I know, Kate, you've had to deal with it twice but i imagine for some people it is very very hard to handle and that so much so that they just try to tune it out and not be near that person but that can look very bad to others so i mean it's very hard for me to say i know what i'm talking about because i've never been in the situation but I imagine for some people it's just so hard that it just sort of makes you want to tune out of everything type thing. 
It does require courage and compassion to sit with someone while they die. But when you think about letting them die alone, that's not an option for a person you love, probably. I don't want my loved ones to die alone. I, I, I don't want to die alone. I understand that. So, but I, so I can understand why Marcus was furious with his mother that his dad is calling for her and she just ignored him while the dad was dying in another room. Fair point. I wonder if maybe that she had sort of a mental breakdown. That may have been part of it. But I also understand where you're, you're coming from. Yeah. And we're not all the same. Right. We all handle things differently. Marcus collects up his brother David, slings him back to Madison. Madison, yes. Turns out that Marcus is a sports doctor in a sports institute there. He's got a live-in girlfriend played by... The uh, Jackie Robinson Sports Institute is what what it was called, yes. Good eye. Um, And Ray Don Chong, who I think was a pretty big-time actress back in that time period. I remember seeing at least one other movie with her in it. She plays Marcus's girlfriend, Sarah, and Marcus has David put through a full battery of tests, and David breaks Marcus's record on the treadmill. Right, exactly. And then he gives David a CAT scan. Yep. And then declares that they're off to Colorado to participate in this thing called, what is it called, Hell of the West or something? Yeah, Hell of the West, uh, through this bike riding competition through the Rockies. And they pick up a hot hitchhiker chick who was trying to be a hippie, but she loved quarter pounders too much. Right, exactly. (laughs) And then there's sort of this connection between her and David. And she goes all in on the bike riding. She becomes a fan. She's got the t-shirt on. Oh, yeah. She's screaming at the finish line. (laughs) She was into it. So anyway, the four of them thus go to Colorado and... In the fashion of all great sports movies, the end of the race comes down to mere seconds between first and second place. The amateur underdog, our hero David, pulls it out and manages to defeat his brother's evil rival and the evil Russian, more importantly. Right, right. His evil rival, like, his nickname was the Cannibal. The Cannibal, yeah. Oh, and he what was a, nickname. a nasty piece of work, but he did have good hair. And he did not have a mustache. Okay, okay. He Let was clean shaven. That. He was clean shaven, but he was a bit of a nasty guy. Yeah. Okay, so that's basically an overview of the Oh, movie. but we forgot. Marcus's girlfriend used to be with Cannibal. Oh, that's right. They were married, I think, or something. Or at something. Some point. They were together and yeah uh, so there's a little bit a lot of tension there (laughs) yeah you could say that but she she doesn't mind telling him off telling the cannibal where he can go and what he can do when he gets there so threatens him with a rock yeah she's kind of a tough chick heroine i liked her a lot actually so what are we gonna rate this movie greg (sighs) oh boy um comparing it to some of the stuff that we 
You've just scared the cat. She's like, my God, the earth is falling. Greg kicked the table upon which we have our setup in our little studio, and the cat jumped up, and now she is sitting there glaring at Gregory with ice in her eyes. I, I apologize, Dodo. Oh, Empress of the Cats. She investigated the structural integrity of our thing, but nothing happened. Yeah. So I think you're safe, Dodo. Okay, back to the rating. <laughs> Sorry for the interlude there. Uh, well, sort of going back to other movies that we watched recently and how we sort of rated those. Think about something that we rated really high. That was... Testament. Testament we rated you know, really high. Really high. Cause of and I rated Silverado. No, I rated Fandango high. Correct. Okay, so we have to think about, so what made those that high? And did this movie really have that aspect of a great movie? Well, we already mentioned how Kate doesn't like uh, Kevin Costner's mustache, so it's already getting knocked down a notch because of that. The highest it can possibly get is a four, and it's not getting a four either. But, owing to the mustache alone, it is not getting a five-star review from me. Okay. I'm sorry, Kevin. I hated it. I love you. I just told him... (laughs) Um, plug your ears, Greg, while I issue. <laughs> um, I feel a bit shocked that I said that. Okay, well, anyways, Kevin, you know, in a distant fan-based sense, I love you. And um, I just didn't care for the mustache. The end. <laughs> okay. We have Kate's uh, take on this. I definitely could not give it a five and it's it's not up to the level of testament now do you think that it could make it to the level of table five we gave that a three yeah so i've been debating this in my head a little bit between because when we shut it off immediately i was like that was a two but i actually think maybe it's a three it was way better than anything we've rated a 1 or a 0.5. Like, it was okay. way better. And I tend to be a sucker for sports movies where the underdog wins. Okay. I did... I think I'm just not into competitive cycling. It wasn't that exciting to me to watch these dudes bicycle up a mountain for three days. Which took a hell of a long time on film. Yeah, I think it's it's more dramatic for the cyclists themselves than for anybody that's watching it. And they got real mean with each other, like pushing each other around, whatever, whatever. I don't imagine that's allowed. I don't know anything about professional cycling or professional bike <laughs> racing. And at one point, David's bike stops working right near the finish line and he runs with it over the finish line and it counted and it counted well didn't you ever see cool runnings they picked up their dead sled and walked it over the finish line oh i don't didn't remember that this is like a a real sports trope like the equipment fails and the 
the exhausted yet triumphant athlete carries the equipment over the finish line, <laughs> bolts flying for days. <laughs> well, I can name two movies where I've now seen that happen, but still. Right. It wasn't a bad movie. The parts with the family in it were so, like, they were so mean to each other that it elicited a response from me. A movie doesn't have to make me cry for it to be good, even though the ones that I've rated high have kind of poked me in the feels a little bit. Mm. I'm going to say this was worth a three. I liked it better than Table for Five, I think. Okay. Do you feel that some of the failing dynamic that we see in this, was that indicative of some of the family dynamic that we really see in America back then in the eighties. Do you feel that was um, there a lot of that? Is there still a lot of that? Do you think it's hard to say pertaining to the eighties because we were only kids ourselves Fair back point. then. Fair point. And this is not a dynamic my family had. My parents, you know, not to get too deeply into it. My parents got divorced 25 years ago, almost. And my dad, wasn't around when my mom died my sister and I were there not that I would expect him to but I mean like we don't have that there was a lot of tension around holidays and things when we would all get together but I haven't had a normal family in 25 years like an intact family in 25 years sibling rivalry maybe a little bit one thing I did think about was what would it be like to have a brother I have a sister. You have a sister. Right. You are the brother. I, I wonder if my life would have been different if my sister and I had a brother. And okay. that, like a little bit more male influence in our lives. If that, I don't know why I was thinking about that while I watched this, but I was. Okay. Um, my mom couldn't have more children after my sister was born. Having me and my sister was very difficult on her, so... The doctor cut her off at two, and that was that. But I do wish I had a brother, I think. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't if I had one. (laughs) I don't know. Well, I mean, and as far as my childhood, we were very together. We, We didn't really fight. It seemed to me, I don't remember very many true disagreements and everything Mm -hmm. so it definitely was not like the dynamic that we saw in the in the movie i mean i guess families fighting makes for better entertainment than everybody getting along and well i mean they did call this uh a drama that's true so have i ever seen a movie family where they just get along and everything's peachy keen or a TV family, like the Cosby show, they always fought the Brady Bunch. They had their little disagreements. Right. And, and I wonder if maybe the reason for that is just that a lot or maybe a majority of families out there, maybe they do fight a lot. And maybe just the movies just sort of trying to show what typical is. And I think I, I think it's more normal for families to have disagreements than it is to not have disagreements. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's me, but um, 
your mom always kind of proudly says to me that you and your sister never argued when you were kids. And my sister and I argue all the time still to this day. So to me, that feels very strange because like who doesn't argue with their siblings, but you guys really didn't. Right. Exactly. And that's why it's hard for me to sort of gauge whether the actions that are portrayed in that family in the movie, if that was typical, and that's sort of why I brought that up. I mean, Yes, as my mom always says, me and my sister didn't fight, and that is true. We didn't. I, we may have had one or two disagreements. I mean, you guys don't early even on. really fight now, as far as I can tell. I mean, you're both doing your own thing now as adults, right? But... And we don't talk as much these days, but just because we're very busy with our own families. Yeah, I guess this is possibly a normal family scenario. Correct. So I'm sticking with my three. I don't think it was awful, and I don't think it was bad. So I think it was middle of the road. Didn't make me cry like Hoosiers or Field of Dreams or some really great sports movies. But as far as a sports movie, I guess it was fine. Your thoughts, Greg? What's your rating? Uh, Well, thinking about other movies and, and how they were set up and everything. The last one we watched right before this... Silverado was very disjointed. To me, the storyline, they had trouble. I don't know if they had a good storyline to start with or whatever they tried to do. We didn't really understand Silverado. Right. As opposed to this, it was plain. It was straightforward. Straightforward. Cut and dried. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, they still made it dramatic as best they could with cycling. (laughs) Yeah. Having sicknesses and stuff like that. So, on that alone, comparing it to to Silverado, it definitely is higher. It should be higher than Silverado. And what did we give Silverado? I gave it a 3. You gave it a 2.5. Right. And then we just basically said that averaged out to a 2.75. Correct. Correct. So, with that being said, and the fact that Kate did think Silverado should have been a three i want to say with this one we should give 3.25 or 3.5 because it's definitely better than silverado in many respects but silverado Uh, also was not terrible right i don't want to push american flyers that much ahead so i think like 3.25 is is probably good this is why we need to go back to the 10 rating this isn't subtle enough for this quantity of movies. <laughs> are, are you serious? You want to move it back to the t- the ten, or are we gonna stick it out? Because we already started doing this with the right five. That's range. true. Well, one thing that we should think about here at the end of this episode, because the next movie we're gonna watch is The Untouchables. Yeah, and it's gonna take off from there. So this first nine movies were the movies that got his career fired up. Correct. So we could say that these nine movies are going to be the nine movies that we rated one through five, and then moving forward where we might need a bigger scale, we could do one to ten. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens when we start watching the rest of the movies. If, I mean, if we were going to 
go to a 1 to 10 scale here, I would agree with Rotten Tomatoes slash IMDb that it's in the 6 to 7 range. I would probably give it 7 and I would give Silverado and Table for 5 a 6. Okay. All right. Well, well, folks, we'll we'll see where we go with that. If we're not going to have a knockdown drag out on on that, don't worry. This will be civil. Update, update, update. Okay, we did some discussion, Greg. Yes, we did. And what we have concluded is that with the Thanksgiving holiday, we don't really have time, unfortunately, to watch The Untouchables this week. We have family in from out of town, and there's a big snowstorm coming down. Possibly. Possibly. And we are in the midst of a heck of a movie marathon weekend anyway, at the behest of family members. Exactly. So today I sat through Five Nights at Freddy's, which conspicuously Kevin Costner was missing from. I I got to skip that movie because I was at Dungeons and Dragons this evening. That's right. But tomorrow you don't get to skip. And what are we watching tomorrow? (laughs) Prequel to Hunger Games. And I think that also is going to conspicuously be lacking in Kevin Costner. Anyhow, so what we are going to do is put out an episode 10 right after Thanksgiving in which we are going to be recapping all of the movies we have seen up to this point. We are going to more clearly define our rating scale, especially moving forward. Since we seem to be disagreeing on some stuff here. Yeah, and I don't like the decimal point system either. I no. feel like we, we can do se- this. 0.75, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we were watching the Christmas movies, there was like barely a decimal point in sight. So we're going to come at you with a new rating scale. We're working out the details now, and I think we're going to tweak some of our ratings for the movies we've seen. I do have some tweaks now that I can sit back and think about what we've seen. That that would be a good thing to do. I mean, with all, like, the disagreements on, like, 0.25, (laughs) 0.75, all that jazz, it would be good to actually put a whole number to some of this stuff. I think so, too. Now, before we let you go, we do have some Costner-related news. So, Greg, I'm going to let you take this one over because you found this week's news item about our hero. Correct, Gabe. Our star has partnered with Green Mountain Coffee Roasters, and he's got his own sort of blends, and he's doing ads about it. So he's making his own coffee. It sort of sounds like it in conjunction with Green Mountain Coffee, yes. It's kind of disappointing you and I don't drink coffee. I'd like to be able to buy some and have an opinion about it, but we're not coffee drinkers. I love the smell of it, but don't like the taste. I mean, maybe we can buy it, uh, brew some, and just sniff it. it. (laughs) Give it the sniff test. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. I love the way it smells. I hate the way it tastes. Well, first of all, what's your source? Let's credit our source. Where where did we hear about this? Well, I have it up on USA Today. All right. And it came out, looks like it was came out originally November 16th. So it looks to me like he actually is naming this coffee Horizon. 
Oh, like the the new one he's putting out next year. Yeah, like his new movie. So that's interesting. There will probably be a tie-in with that. And it said something down here about it's the base of what he needs to make his favorite coffee, which is a cafe mocha. Ooh. So I guess he's a fancy coffee drinker. Horizon Blend by Kevin Costner has a smooth yet robust flavor profile, alive with earthy, smoky flavors. Mm. So if that's your jam, this coffee is coming out when? Online, starting December 18th, 2023. It will be in select retailers starting January 2024. So just like a month from now, you'll be able to get your own Kevin Costner blend and listen to the podcast. There you go. It'll be like having coffee with old friends, except we won't be drinking coffee. We might be drinking cocoa, but... Maybe we can use it as the basis for a chocolate cake or something. Maybe. You have put coffee in your chocolate cakes before. Yeah. Really nice. It's pretty good. So maybe we'll try that. We'll try baking with it since we're not going to drink it. Sounds good. All right. Well, we'll give a report after we do. So until next week, Greg and I are very grateful to all of you who are continuing to listen to the Kevin Costner Project. We're having a lot of fun making it together. Exactly. And I'm going to wish everybody a safe and happy Thanksgiving, at least here in the U.S. Yeah. (laughs) We kind of miss the Canadian one, but. Yeah, sorry about that. The Canadians I knew had a great Thanksgiving. All right. Well, we'll see you next week with a recap of Kevin's first nine movies and where we're going to go from here. Exactly. Bye for now. Bye for now. The Kevin Costner Project is produced by October 10 Productions. Our theme music is Happy Acoustic Guitar Background Music by Music Unlimited via Pixabay.com. Audio clips included under fair use policies in our best accordance with U.S. copyright law. You can find us online at thekevincostnerproject.com or by searching Facebook, Instagram, Twitter X, or TikTok for The Kevin Costner Project. This podcast is not endorsed by Kevin Costner or his agents yet.